What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Dwight Chocolate Basketball Podcast, delivering to you the only 40 minutes to 60 minutes of basketball talk that you need for the week. I'm Alan here with my co-host, Sean. What's up, everybody? Ready to have some fun again? (laughs) Yeah, just delivering some news. Uh, We got a lot to talk about, but the bulk of today is we want to break down all the players who are entering the last year of their contract, uh, who they are, do they have something to prove, and how likely are they that they'll be re-signed with their teams? Um, but before we start things off, Sean, you got a little fun fact yeah, for us yeah. related to the Trailblazers. Yeah, I was, I'm excited to tell you this one. I'm curious to see what you guess for this. So, something I stumbled upon. Uh, so, Marcus Aldridge, Brandon Roy, and Greg Oden, if you remember, were on the Trailblazers together a while back. Mm-hmm. And they only played 62 games together, despite all being drafted by that team. Right in in, in uh, the same time period. Uh, so, what do you think their record was for those sixty-two games? Um, so were these sixty these sixty-two games weren't consecutive though either. No, right? they weren't consecutive. It was just like over the span. Yeah, just yeah. Whenever they were all on the floor in the same game. Um, you know, I'm gonna shoot crazy. I'm gonna say, uh, fifty-five wins. That's actually very close. Fifty-two right. and ten. 52 and 10. 52 and 10 when they all played in the same game. That's pretty crazy. That means, so right now, what just relates to something we're going to talk about a little bit later, they have played more games despite them having that injury, the injury riddle careers that Greg Oden and Brandon Roy had, though. Up to this point, they've played more games than Joel Embiid, though. (laughs) Yeah, very true. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about him more later uh, in the bigger part of our show. But yeah, I just I just thought that was a really interesting fact. Um, just wondering what could have been with so much talent on that team, but they weren't able to stay healthy and keep it together. Who knows what they could have done? Right. I mean that that's crazy. That team probably could have been chal- that pro- that team could have been challenging the Spurs and the Miami Heat during that same time period. That would have been crazy to see Greg Oden down low maybe blocking LeBron James and Dwayne Wade when they're driving into the basket. Oh man. Yeah. That would've been awesome. I mean, Brandon Roy low key is one of my favorite players uh, that just didn't get the chance that he deserved. I mean, he, he had a great career, albeit a mm-hmm. short one. Uh, it would've been great to see him play it out till the end, but uh, those degenerate degenerative knees of his just uh, couldn't, just couldn't keep it together. Right. Uh, and I think, it's interesting that you brought up Brandon Roy because I think I'm going to touch a little bit on him a little bit later on the podcast when we start talking about some of these young guys that are on their expiring rookie contracts because Brandon Roy was actually a guy who's, who took his time when he was in college. I think he I think he was a three-year or four-year athlete. Yeah. Right. He wasn't a, a one-and-done guy. I um, mean, I think he had a... Obviously, his injuries held him back, but I think he had the signs of a promising career because some of the fundamentals in his bat, the basketball IQ that he ha- that he had coming out of college. Oh yeah, I totally agree. I think too many guys trace the money too early in their in their lives, and you look at these nineteen year olds coming out one year of college. Um, there's just so many of them that are like now, and you can't you don't really get to see them develop in college. They can't develop those fundamentals that they might get otherwise. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just come into the NBA really raw. They just have a lot of talent and they just kind of get thrown into it. And some of them just don't make the jump very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. Yeah. yeah. And we'll talk about some of those guys later on. But first, 
in Clipperland. Doc Rivers has been relieved of his front office responsibilities, really being as he's back to what he naturally is supposed to be, which is a coach. <laughs> yes, relieved as true. a GM. Um, I think it's a good move. I've, I feel like since Doc Rivers was moved into that front office position, I didn't think it was going to be a good idea. I never really think it's a good idea. It just doesn't work with every team. It doesn't work with every guy. Um, but Sean, I'm sure you want to talk a little bit about this being the Clipper fan that you are. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm actually really yeah, curious to hear your thoughts. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about the Clippers every week if we can. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think this is a great move. Uh, the front office really needed to do this. Uh, I'm glad that they decided to do it now rather than later. Um, well, I mean, you can't really put all the blame on doc for his shortcomings in the front office. He was never meant for that role. He, he mm -hmm. came on and he was only supposed to be the coach, but uh, when you had an owner like Donald Sterling running the show and just destroying everything, and he just left this huge void that needed to be filled uh, when he mm -hmm. stepped down, uh, Doc Rivers was the guy to step up, and even though he didn't have the experience to run the front office well, um, he did what he could, and he, I mean, he, I honestly believe he tried his best, but yeah. that's, I mean, that's not going to cut it in a, when you're trying to make a world-class organization, so. I think right. I think both sides understand. I know Steve Ballmer, uh, was he was correct to make this move, and I think Doc Rivers is going to be okay with this too. I think he'll enjoy focusing on coaching more, and I think it'll help our organization as a whole. Right. It's interesting that you brought up Donald Sterling because I I feel like everybody we kind of are victims of short term memory. We kind of all forgot about that because I wasn't thinking about that. Right. It's not like Doc. I'm not sure how it worked out, but I don't it almost seems like Doc Rivers wasn't the guy who went in there asking for it or begging for this position. It almost seemed like it was a matter of circumstance where you had Donald Sterling kicked out. You had Steve Ballmer, a young owner, and he needed some help. And Doc Rivers was a guy who was already on staff, a guy who's been in the NBA, played in the NBA. So I guess it did seem almost natural to why not give him more responsibilities and, and trust him as you as you start off your young at that point with steve ballmer as an owner a young franchise yeah completely and i mean yeah it's just, it's just such an unnatural role because you can't have a guy that's trying to look at both the player side and the organization side they're just completely different jobs in my opinion mm -hmm. it's like it's like trying to if you're a business just trying to target the customer and like your vendors as well it's like you can't really do that effectively as one person um it's just too much responsibility so yeah, you think it's a good move? Oh yeah, I think it's great. Um, Doc being able to focus all of his efforts on coaching, I think, will really help our guys, especially because our the team is looking so new. Uh, there's mm -hmm. so many new faces there. It's gonna take a good amount of coaching and a good amount of time together to really mesh. Uh, like yeah. When you lose a guy like Chris Paul, that was your anchor, that was your foundation, mm -hmm. um, and a few other key pieces too. I think it's gonna be good to have all the guys just be able to have this coach that they can go to anytime. He doesn't have any other responsibilities except for them. Um, right. Yeah, I think it's great. What do you think? What are your thoughts on like the idea that maybe Jerry West came in here and maybe instigated this? Or do you think this is all just Steve Ballmer um, making this, making this decision, or maybe it was a more of a mutual thing between him and doc rivers. Um, I, It's hard to say. I, I can't say definitively either way. I think yeah. that, I think Jerry West was probably for this idea. I'm not sure if he or if he thought of it or not. Um, mm -hmm. But either way, I think if they had asked him, his opinion was probably very important uh, to see yeah. Palmer and Doc Rivers and all that front office. So 
yeah, I think um, I think he had a little bit to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just like the way the Clippers organization is looking right now. I think they're making only good moves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think they still got en- good enough pieces to fight for the fifth seed, sixth seed in the West. Outside of that, I I, I don't think there's any shot. But they're definitely they definitely have the potential to maybe if they're lucky, sneak into that second round if they're a fifth seed and they beat out that fourth seed, whoever it may be. As long as we see Houston at some point in the yeah. playoffs, that, that will be the best matchup. Oh, yeah, Chris Paul returning back to L.A. That would be fun. That, that will be, be fun. That would be real fun. So we got uh, we got Jeff or Steve Van Gundy and Tom Thibodeau still with that coach general manager role. Do you think they follow suit? They follow the same path that Doc Rivers do, at least eventually down that. That eventually they're going to get cut of those duties, or do you think? I, I think in general it's not a good idea to have a coach GM. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think. I think, like I said before, I, I just think it's too much to be looking at both sides of the organization. I'm mm-hmm. all for the specialization of the roles that you're in. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know like how how. It, in depth these guys are at being both a coach and a gm um i mean ben gundy doesn't seem like he'd be a great front office guy i don't know he just doesn't yeah. have he doesn't, he doesn't seem like he has the cool demeanor that it takes to be just like a guy behind a desk you know oh yeah he's totally a coach guy he's <laughs> loud he's dude runs up and down he's confrontational yeah he's totally a coach in my opinion yeah so i mean that's my opinion what do you think uh, I think I don't I don't think it's a good idea. I've never been I've never agreed with it. It's you carry too much bias with you. You I feel like even though you try not to, you eventually bring in who you consider your what I would always say the term your boys, you know, like yeah, Doc Rivers. Right. I always I always feel like the Clippers um, brought in the, like Doc Rivers, his boys like Paul Pierce, Raymond Felton, these guys. Whereas I think the Clippers, what they needed to do was try to find some cheap young guys to fill their bench or like at least half of their bench with. Um, I mean, you got got teams like the Spurs and the Warriors who always seem to find these young cheap guys who are willing to just hustle and play hard instead of, instead of, and then you can rely on them for if they develop to, to help you out later on, as opposed to signing these, these veterans that you sort of bonded with as a coach and you think they're going to be a good addition to your team because of that bond which doesn't isn't necessarily true and i think as a gm you're able to look at things through a different lens yeah totally. so mm-hmm. i it's like the same thing that you spoke on and i think it's good to have that separation to have that objectivity on guys and i think that's the role of the gm yeah i totally agree mm-hmm. except when you're playing 2k then you can be both the gm and the players and the coach that's right you can be <laughs> jackie moon in that case so out in memphis I love this team, and I hate to see this continue. This unfortunate stuff continue to happen to them. So Ben McLemore, Ben McLemore, their only big offseason acquisition, really, because they're clogged up with the contracts that they have with Mike Conley. Yeah, and the hideous contract that they gave Chandler Parsons. Um, so you got Ben Ben McLemore. Um, He's a solid player. He could he would he would I think he would have done a he's gonna do huge for Memphis just because he brings something that they really lack, which is just somebody who can score the ball. Um but he's out twelve weeks with a non-placed fracture. Oh. So what happened? How I didn't even how did that happen? 
I, I'm not really <laughs> sure, you know? There's not really a lot of details on that. Maybe Jeez. in practice, I'm assuming. But this already puts a hinder on the on Memphis, especially when they start this season. And they lost Zach Randolph and Vince Carter during the offseason, of course. And Chandler Parsons doesn't seem to doesn't seem like he's gonna get off the injury bed anytime soon. <laughs> he's nice so and what, cozy. Yeah. So what do you think, Sean? Are we gonna see the Grizzlies in the playoffs this year? Well, definitely not. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Mike Conley and God, what was their coach's name again? Oh, God, that guy's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Put some data on that. Or what take that for say? data. Oh, that yeah. Is, take that yeah. for data. Fizdale. Data. Fizdale. Coach Fizdale. Fizdale, man. Yes. I that's love, the man. I love Fizdale. And I I hope that he succeeds, but not with this team, not the, with the way the West's looking, unfortunately. I don't think Ben McElmore is going to be the guy that's like make or break if they're going to make playoffs. I don't think they were really in contention before that. But yeah. I mean, it sucks. It's like the middle of the off season when no one cares about basketball except for us, and <laughs> he's out now. He's out for three months. Like, what? What the heck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. What a shame. I guess. Bad. What do you? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy because like. I like guys rest games thinking that they're going to rescue themselves from injuries. But some of these guys, they practice even harder than they play in games. Like they put so much impact on their bodies. Yeah. I guess. What do you do? Yeah. He he must've been practicing really hard. Yeah, I guess so. So other news back to the Kyrie Irving, never ending soap opera. You got to touch on this every week, huh? Yeah. The (laughs) NBA off season is just turned into a Kyrie Irving, Carmelo Anthony soap opera. (laughs) And every week there's a new update or a new something to throw in there. And this week, David Griffin jumped on the jump on ESPN. And he talked, he talked a little bit about Kyrie Irving and he mentioned that Kyrie Irving's trade request took courage it took courage for a guy to stand up and <laughs> and ask for a trade out of a situ out of a winning situation what are your reactions to that uh, i just think it's funny that they had david griffin talk about this he's gonna of course he's gonna like take the side of the guy that's trying to screw over the Cavs organization oh <laughs> so you're so you're thinking david griffin is his comments are sort of malicious oh definitely man he just got ousted by lebron in his own job man (laughs) oh i'm thinking i thinking this is his honest take on there i didn't think there was any maliciousness to it but okay well think of it this way if he is still the gm how does he feel about Kyrie requesting a trade Maybe he thinks it's cur- courageous. Oh, <laughs> doesn't mean he's gonna do it, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think we'd be hearing a totally different story from him if he was still the GM. Okay. So, what do you think? You think it's a half truth or no truth at all coming out with this quote? Like, I, you don't think he means it? I don't know if it's true. I I think he doesn't care really. Mm. I I think. He's just mad that he lost his job and he's just trying to stoke the fire a little bit. That's what I think. Yeah. I think I think I think he he meant it honestly. I I think he he did think that it's courageous for Kyrie Irving. And I guess in a in a way it is. Some people are criticizing him for it, calling him dumb, like greedy or whatever. Yeah. Um Sure, I can I can see how you can think it's courageous. You're sort of standing up for yourself or you're sort of like standing up for what you believe. Like Kyrie Irving 
obviously really believes that he can become like a top five player in this league and become a guy who can stack up MVPs under his name. So there is some courage in that, I think. Okay, yeah. So I will say this. I think for Kyrie to have requested the trade, it means that he's very confident in himself. Mm-hmm. Like he he wouldn't do it if he didn't think that he could be one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. So th- there is a good amount of confidence there. But if I'm David Griffin and I get that, I'm thinking, man, this guy is selfish. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's completely cocky. Like you could take courage as like a you could take it as, oh, this guy's confident and he just wants to succeed as much as he can. Or you can be like, oh, this guy's just in it for himself. He he doesn't care about the team. He doesn't care about this this organization. He doesn't care about mm-hmm. the fans. I think yeah. I just think the way he words it would be def would definitely be different if he was still the GM. Oh, I see what you're going at. Yeah, and I mean that's the way. That's sort of the split between two people. You got one side of the coin, like related to this quote. Like people think it's courageous. Like it's it's um it's inspiring to see a man like Kyrie Irving stand up and have the guts to leave this winning situation and go do his own thing but then there's also the other side is like yeah he's a selfish guy like <laughs> if he leaves the Cavs and they and the Cavs get nothing for him the Cavs essentially fall to the Boston Celtics maybe even the Toronto Raptors and the Wizards out on the out in the Eastern Conference and Kyrie Irving he, he stacks up points maybe not MVP trophies but he stacks up points and in my opinion I think he's gonna stack up losses as well I don't <laughs> I'm I don't think he's going to a winning situation out of the Cavs especially if he's the leader of a team yeah yeah I agree with that definitely yep so another quick news Dennis Smith jr the standout rookie at the summer league gets a shoe deal with under armor what do you think Sean are you gonna be sporting some Dennis Smith juniors Anytime Ooh. soon? I don't know. Maybe it depends on how much. How how do they look compared to the Steph Curry's? Probably just as hideous oh. when they. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not I sure. Uh, I think that's interesting though. Like some of these young guys, uh, again with Under Armour instead of Nike. I think uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, I think it's Under Armour definitely making a bet on this guy being the best rookie in the class. Mm-hmm. And if if he ends up being that next superstar player, then they probably got him for pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, a flashy guy. Yeah, they have to do to undercut Nike. Like, if they're mm-hmm. gonna get the big names and the talent, like they're gonna have to try to get them early. Right. Yeah, that's it's kind of crazy to me how many of these guys, like these top ten picks, come out and come out with shoe deals already, even though most of them don't really pan out. And I mean, we'll get to some of those a little bit later. But yeah. it's, but I mean, yeah, if you want, if you have the money to take a swing at somebody, why not? I guess, and Dennis Smith Jr. seems like the type of guy that's marketable. He's flashy. He's confident. He just lit up the summer league. But, I mean, this is only the first chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a long way to go. But we'll see how he pans out. Mm-hmm. Hey, so I found this topic um, in the news. Uh, I don't know if this is real news or not. You can judge for yourself, but it's saying that the Warriors supposedly are after Paul George next offseason. Yeah, I say I say that's Donald Trump style fake news. <laughs> not <laughs> that happening. Bad, huh? That's not happening. Shot? I don't think they I mean it's not that 
I just don't see how that would work out unless you you do a sign and trade with Clay Thompson or Draymond Green. Like the numbers just would not work out. At least not in any realistic version. Like sure, sure, Paul George can sign for a minimum and the numbers work out, but I doubt that will happen. <laughs> yeah, if Paul so, George somehow wanted to take the veterans minimum to join the Warriors next year, would that be blocked? A la David Stern, Chris Paul, by Adam Silver. Yeah. That would be insane. That I feel like that part, would be blocked. That would be like anti-competitive. Right. Part of me would love to see would want to see that blocked, but the other part of me would actually hate it if it got blocked. Really? Because I I kind of I like the idea of just letting letting the free market fluctuate, you know? I mean, if Paul George wants to do that, like all power to him, he can do it. <laughs> I'm, I still don't think it's very probable. Like, I think there's yeah. zero chance no, it happens. No, yeah, I don't think so either. It's just like, yeah. in a world where that happens, would that be blocked? And I, I don't know. I think there would be a huge backlash against the NBA. I, even from people who aren't even NBA fans, I think it would become a huge... It, it would be huge news for sure. Oh, yeah. Out, outside of just the basketball world. Um, I think oh, there'd be a lot of pissed off owners for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> like twenty nine pissed off owners. Exactly. Well, here's something interesting. Michael Jordan again makes the news with another quote at a basketball camp. <laughs> these kids just ask him yeah. the the hard questions. Yeah, why do these reporters <laughs> even have jobs at this point? Right. Let's just surround Michael Jordan with kids, and we will get all the answers to all these questions we've always wanted to know from him. <laughs> Well, Michael Jordan goes out and calls Kawhi Leonard the best two-way player in the game right now. I kind of thought it was a little bit silly because isn't everybody, anybody that's a good player in the league considered a good two-way player? But the best? I'm not, I'm not sure if I like really, I mean, obviously he answered it to a kid. So that's why I think the question, the answer almost feels a little incomplete because yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard is a really good defender. He's a pretty good offensive player, but I think Kevin Durant can be just as a good defender as Kawhi Leonard. I think LeBron James is just as a good defender as Kawhi Leonard. Um, Interesting. I think yeah. Anthony. I think any of these guys that are that you consider top five, top ten players are just as good defenders. So they're all. I mean, I think it's just like by default, if you're a great two way player, you are a great. You are a, te- a top ten player in the league. So. Maybe yeah. yeah. Yeah, the more you're talking about it, the the weirder a two-way player sounds. It's like right. Okay, so you're not the best at offense, but you're pretty good. And you're you're not maybe are maybe you're not even the best at defense. Yeah. But you're you're really good. Uh I don't know. I guess, so he's like the best above average player. Right. So I think that's that, Kawhi Leonard's only above average. He's great. Yeah. But so with yeah. yeah, so with that being said, I kind of I disagree with his his quote. And I think I just feel like it's incomplete. Um I think Kawhi Leonard is a great player, but at the same time I don't think like if we were to say see the best offensive player, no, is he the best defensive player? Maybe. But I think Kevin Durant, LeBron James can defend just as well as him, Russell Westbrook, um Anthony Davis, any of these guys that you would put in the top 10, I think they defend their position really well, like, or else they wouldn't be considered that a player of that caliber. Yeah. So I guess two way player would be like, 
you take two tests and you don't score the best on either but right you're so you, you score like a 95 on both really good but like mm-hmm. kevin durant scores like a 97 on one but gets like a 90 on the other maybe it's maybe he's the best like averaging offense and defense <laughs> This is so confusing. Oh, I'm just confusing myself at this point. <laughs> you take the averages, and then who has the best averages? The best you take a- wouldn't that just make him the best player? Yeah, I, I think that would be the better the better way to phrase that answer. I think is that he thinks because yeah, if you are the best offensive player and you are the best defensive player, you're not just the best two way player. <laughs> you are the best player. Right? Yeah. Okay. So Kawhi, Michael Jordan thinks Kawhi is the best player in the game right now. I that's how I think you could you should you can take that yeah and um I don't think so I think LeBron James is still the best player in this game but we both know Michael Jordan doesn't think that because he thinks Kobe is better than him yeah highly about LeBron (laughs) I I think Michael Jordan's trolling I think somewhere out there in his mansion (laughs) filled with Jordan Jordan art pieces and Jordan shaped furniture he's just laughing at (laughs) at how he's giving us all these half answers and how we just kind of like talk about it and analyze it and break it down when all he kind of just said was just he's just like man i was just answering like an eight-year-old's question (laughs) and i put it in terms he would best understand which is one sentence and it made five minutes of conversation on the dwight chocolate nba podcast right it did and everywhere else (laughs) and any other basketball media yeah, so those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't know. If, that sounds about right. Yeah, I don't know if you like, wanted to add anything to no, it. No, I I think I've said all I need to say on that. <laughs> all right, so the Twitter world is going crazy. Earlier today, being Wednesday, that LeBron James, there was a Twitter conversation going on, and anyways, his last tweet reply went like this: "May have to make a day trip up there when I'm back home in L.A., bro." So the to Jamal Crawford, I think so. So he oh, so this is how it started. He was talking about how he wanted to. He I don't remember the exact tweet, but basically sounded like he was bored and he was asking if anybody knew of any places to play in the summer. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and I think Jamal Crawford was referencing the Drew League, which is the summer league that goes happens in down in L.A. And some professional guys show up. Nick Young has shown up. Jamal Crawford has shown up a couple times. Um, and I, th- I think there is just like an invitation out to him, to LeBron James. Uh, I would invite and LeBron to my league too. I know why not. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, he said he may have to make a day trip up there when I'm back home in LA. And people took the word home in LA nah. and have made and have made a big deal of that. <laughs> is there a connection there, or is he or is LeBron James just there's nothing there? We're reading too much into it. I'm I'm gonna say. Just flat no. There's nothing there. We can yeah. move on with our lives and continue to fantasize about what it would be like for LeBron to be in a Laker jersey. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. I disappointingly <laughs> have to agree with you. I think so. I mean, he has a house in L.A., but who in the world who can afford a house in L.A. doesn't get a house in L.A.? Yeah. You, you know? can afford a house on in, like, Africa in, like, some fancy like remote island yeah like he can get houses anywhere you know yeah he can he just happens to have a house in la doesn't mean he has a house in cleveland too true (laughs) yeah disappointingly 
Yeah, probably not going to happen. Too much reading into it. LeBron James is not. He loves L.A. I'm sure he does. But in terms of playing, not. there's no signs pointing to that. Yeah. So now this leads us to our big topic for today. We got a list of players, some superstars, some leaving their rookie contracts, um, some just middle, middle of the pack guys. But a lot of these guys are dudes that are entering that last year of their contract. And we want to ask, do they have something to prove and what's the likelihood that they stay? So to start things off, let's start with the big man down low, the former king of kings, the Marcus Cousins. Oh yeah, let's do it. Let's let's talk some Demarcus Cousins. So the Marcus Cousins, twenty-seven years old, still hasn't been to the playoffs yet. Has a, has obviously with no playoff appearance. He's obviously been in kind of losing. He has like a losing stigma with him, as some have said. Um, Demarcus Cousins on the Pelicans. How much does this guy have to prove out there? Oh man. So I mean, numbers wise. He doesn't have to prove anything. We've seen mm-hmm. some ridiculous stats from Demarcus Cousins every year, mm-hmm. like seemingly since he just since he came into the league. Uh, he always puts up big numbers. He gets triple doubles for a big man. That's pretty insane. Right. And he he shoots outside really well. So it's like you have nothing to prove to me as a player that can get his own. You know, but mm-hmm. as as a team. As a team player, what can you give me? You know, right? Because it's almost like he's just siphoning like the life energy from his own team, and they just lose all the time. Yeah, and sure. You can partially blame that on a really bad run organization in Sacramento, and you can blame it on him not having meshed with Anthony Davis yet, only having been there for half a year. Um, but I don't know. He has a lot to prove right now. I think. Um, yeah, if he doesn't get even close to the playoffs this year, uh, teams are going to kind of feel weird about giving him a max deal. Right. It's kind of funny when you talk to Marcus Cousins because you almost forget that this is a guy who arguably could be a top 10 player in the game or top 15 player in the in the league. Um, and he, again, he, he doesn't have the type of things that other players do, sort of like shoe deals and like commercials and all this sort of markability. And for the simple reason that he's just, he has a losing stigma with him. He's lost. Well, I mean, he's only been with the Kings, but that was just a losing streak. Um, so, yeah, like you were saying, I agree with you as a player. He's definitely a good, a good player. But if he, if he doesn't, I'm not sure what he can do, but he's got to figure something out with the Pelicans because if he doesn't, he could end up being one of these guys that that just happened to be a really good player for a short span of time. But then once once he's retired, people just simply forget about how good he actually was because he has he's not leaving much behind. Right. So yeah. I don't I don't see him being like a Reggie Miller like mm-hmm. kind of player, Charles Barkley kind of player that's like iconic to a generation. Like I don't, right. I don't put him in that conversation. Whereas those guys, although they didn't ever win a championship, um, they're seen as some of the greatest to ever play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just don't see Demarcus Cousins as that, even though he puts up great numbers. Yeah, but say if he wins a championship in two years, or he makes the NBA Finals in two years, or the Western Conference Finals has a big showdown against the Warriors, that would probably stick stick with you, right? I think so. I mean, yeah. He has mm-hmm. to make it there first, though. Like, that's what's keeping him from being in that Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley kind of scenario. 
Right, like sort of the people like this generation type player. If he wants to leave a mark, I think he's got to somehow figure something out with Anthony Davis and the Pelicans and try to win some games. And it's sort of unfortunate for them because not many people are talking about them. Um, I definitely think they're gonna they're gonna they might sneak in there as the seventh seed. I'm putting I'm not putting them really any higher than that. Yeah, so, I, I agree. I definitely think they have a chance at one of those lower seeds. Just because after Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, you don't really have much. Mm-hmm. I, I don't count Drew Holiday in that at all. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so the the question is, like, what what's he going to get next year, I think? And he's going to mm-hmm. get a max deal. He's going to be 28 years old. He's going to put up great numbers again this year, I can only assume. Mm-hmm. Um, will he win? Uh, probably not. He probably won't win anything significant, but... I think at the end of the day, the Pelicans are going to re-sign him to a max deal at the end of next year. You think he stays with the Pelicans? I think so. I think by trading for him at the trade deadline, they're pretty committed to him. They're like, mm-hmm. we want this guy, and we don't want him just for a year and a half. We want to like build around him. You don't make a move drastically like that and don't have like a long-term plan for it, if you're a well-run right. organization. Yeah, it's kind of hard to let a guy like that walk away, especially when you don't get much in return. I think like if the experiment just blows up in their face, maybe they look to trade him as they approach the tread deadline. But I don't really see that happening. Yeah. Um, I think they, I think they resign him. And if something crazy actually happens and they don't, I think Demarcus Cousins will find a, a max contract somewhere out there. Uh, oh yeah, maybe sure. with the, maybe with the Kings again, oh. or but he, it's gonna be with some sort of franchise like that. Whether it's like the Orlando Magic uh, comes to mind, the Atlanta Hawks, these teams that have something to offer. So I think he gets a max deal, and I think he resigns with the Pelicans. If something crazy happens, he doesn't resign with the Pelicans, but he still gets that max contract. Yeah, I think we're in agreement there. Yeah. So speaking of max contracts, another guy who's in search of one, in my opinion, rightfully deserves one, is Isaiah Thomas, the Boston Celtics. He definitely deserves it. I mean, I think the guy is probably the best value in the league right now. Oh, yeah. As far Mm -hmm. as production to how much money he's making. Right. The Celtics have a steal this year, and I think... So he's going to be, what, 30 next year after this season? Yes, so if he's going to be 30, you're looking at and you're like, okay, can this guy give me four to five years more of being at the same level? The answer is probably not. But when you look at a guy like Chris Paul who just got that same deal and he's older than Isaiah Thomas, I think it. I think there's no question that Isaiah is going to get the max. And I think mm-hmm. that the Celtics rightfully need to give it to him. Uh, he's given everything to that franchise. They didn't expect that when they got him. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, they gave him a chance. They had some faith in him, but I don't. I think he far exceeded any expectations that they had yeah. for him. I agree. I think Isaiah Thomas. I feel like the Boston Celtics were going into rebuild mode, and Isaiah Thomas single handedly um, fast forwarded that rebuild mode really quickly yeah. for them by doing what he did last season. I mean, last season I think he was in the conversation for a top five player. In the league, I think it's arguable. Maybe some people are saying like, oh, well, the Eastern Conference was a lot weaker. But nonetheless, I still think Isaiah Thomas put up good enough numbers to say he was the top five player last season. Um, I guess the biggest problem, the biggest complaint is whether or not he's in the plans for the Boston Celtics moving forward. 
being that maybe they have plans to make to trade those picks for someone like Kyrie Irving. Maybe they mm-hmm. jump on that or or make a trade for somebody else and they decide that that's where the max contract is going and it's not going to Isaiah Thomas. Interesting. I mean, yeah, it is hard because he's such a liability on defense, whereas Kyrie would be able to give you more on both sides. And I mean, Kyrie's arguably as good a scorer as Isaiah Thomas, maybe a little worse. Mm-hmm. but can actually defend people because he's not short. Um, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, that's that's a unlikely scenario, I'd say, that they end up with Kyrie Irving. Um, and I think by trading down in the draft and getting Jalen Brown with the third pick, they're saying, we want Isaiah to be our guy. Oh, you mean Jason Tatum? Yeah, sorry. They're like the same person in my mind. <laughs> I think I mentioned that when we were talking about the draft last Yeah, week. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's my bad. <laughs> no worries. But yeah, yeah, Jason Tatum. Yeah, by getting him, they're saying like, yeah, uh, we don't need another point guard. We have one. Yeah. I wonder if some weird, like this weird, crazy thought just popped in my head. I wonder if somewhere out there, the Boston Celtics are orchestrating this Kyrie Irving trade demand or something. Because yeah. how convenient is it for you that Kyrie Irving leaves the Cavs Kyrie Irving could is probably like the biggest point guard competitor to Isaiah Thomas in the East, and then he might go away. There's John Wall too. Oh, I guess that's right, John Wall. Well, that screws that all up. No, anyways, I don't screw it up. I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting conspiracy theory. Uh, <laughs> I just don't buy into that one. Right. So I, if Isaiah Thomas, in my eyes, is kind of like a little bit like like what I described with DeMarcus Cousins, I think he deserves the max contract. And if the Boston Celtics don't give it to him, I definitely think next year he can find, he will still nonetheless find it somewhere yeah, else. Definitely. I don't, I don't know where, I mean, there'll be plenty of teams that are interested in him for sure. Mm-hmm. It'll almost be like a Gordon Hayward type of thing where a bunch of teams are going to be in the running. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think probably like a 95% chance he stays with Boston. I'm that confident. 95 yep yeah i think i would put it the same 95 and but i think it's 100 percent that he's going to get a max contract whether or not it's with the boston celtics i think boston doesn't offer it he'll go find it somewhere else somebody will give it to him yeah so i want to ask you before we go to the next guy uh just to get uh to more of the meat of the actual question do you think he has anything to prove this season or has he or can he just maintain and that's that's all he needs to do? That's a that's an interesting take because for any other player, I would say no. I'd say just keep doing what he already did. I feel like he had already proved enough. But it seems like and I and that's I think that's sort of what people fall in love with a guy like Isaiah Thomas. It's like because he's he's such a small guy, he's not your average or your your stereo. Your stereotypical NBA star, like he's not six foot six, large wingspan, athleticism. Um, I think that's just like his type, something that he's had to carry with him. Like he always has to constantly prove that he belongs there. And right. I, I won't. And listening to the conversations that people have, um, in Boston, not very, not coming out and saying that they're gonna give their guy the max contract, give the guy the max contract. I kind of, I think he does. I think he does have something to prove still. Um, and I, it's unfortunate that he has to do that because I feel like any other NBA star who put up numbers like that, no, they just kind of keep doing the same thing. But I think he still has to prove 
that he deserves that max deal heading into this next season. Yeah, man, it, it sucks to be a little guy, huh? Yeah, but I, I but at the same time, like that's that's what I kind of that's what I love about him. And I think other people do too. Is he's he's that sort of character. Yeah, he's gonna fight him. for it. Yeah, yeah, that he's gonna fight for it. And he's gonna prove that he deserves what he wants. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I think. All right. Um, yeah, let's move on to the next guy. Here we go, Aaron Gordon, and this. This is a guy that kind of like what I was referring to earlier, like Brandon Roy stayed in school a little bit longer and came out, I think, a better player. I think Aaron Gordon is can it's one of those guys. Aaron okay. Gordon, 22 years old. He was a one-and-done guy coming out of and got drafted by the Orlando Magic, and now he's at the end of his rookie deal. Um, so in the last 24 games last year, he put up 16 points, 6.2 rebounds on 50% shooting what do you think, Aaron Gordon? Oh, man. So this guy, he seems like the makings of an NBA superstar just on paper. Not mm-hmm. looking at the numbers, just at the at his height and his weight and his like his metrics, his vert, his vert. Like mm-hmm. he just has super athletic ability. And you think, man, if I could get a power forward like that, kind of like a Blake Griffin type of athleticism, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't really done much. He's been very passive, it seems. He hasn't really made any splash yep. in the NBA outside of the dunk contest, uh, which is cool and yeah. all, but that's not going to win you games. Um, and he can't be the best player on your team, which he is the best player on that team, which I kind of want to dub the Scrub Squad. <laughs> the Orlando Magic, the Scrub Squad? The Scrub Squad. I like it. Yeah. I... <laughs> I agree with you. That team has take has and Aaron Gordon's one of those guys that they drafted and they're rolling the dice on him, hoping he develops. But that's the game of the that's the game of basketball and sports. You you take young guys and you bank on these attributes and that eventually they'll figure things out and they'll develop into star players. And I think Aaron Gordon's one of those guys, like you said, that he's athletic. He's got a good physical build. Like when you look at him, you think, oh, this guy's going to be a great NBA player just based off the physical attributes alone. But again, going back to that Brandon Roy thing that I said, I think Aaron Gordon would have been one of those guys that would have benefited staying in college maybe another year, maybe two more years. And then right now he'd be sitting on his second year or third year in his or his second or first year in his rookie contract. And he would still have more time to develop. Instead, I think he has a lot to prove going into this next season because I think if he doesn't have one hell of a season, he's gonna he might end up following the fate of a NBA journeyman who sort of becomes nothing more than just like a role player on all coming off the bench. Ooh, yeah, that'll be interesting. I think um yeah, it'll be he really I think of the three of us before, he definitely has the most to prove. I think he has the mm-hmm. most to prove on than a lot of the guys on this list actually um just Mm. because you're so young you have so much promise and you really just have to step up and be that guy on your team and you're gonna go into your as a 23 year old gonna go into your next contract like who's gonna pick you up are they gonna pick you up as uh as a guy to build around or just a role player and that's gonna determine how much money you make so right and the opportunities that come to him yeah, definitely. So he he's gonna have to prove that he can lead a squad uh, to something, 
I mean, yeah. the East is wide open. If he can make it to the playoffs as their best player, I I think uh, I think he made it. But if if they can't make the playoffs, then uh, yeah, that's that's not going to end well for him. Yeah, and I think it's unfortunate for him that this is his last year of his rookie deal because I think if he had maybe two more years on his rookie deal and stuck with the Orlando Magic, maybe he could develop something. But maybe the, I guess there is a chance that the Orlando Magic keep him um, and he gets that opportunity again. But he's definitely at a crossroads in his career, and this 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 is going to be a really important year for him. Yeah, I agree. It'll dictate how his how, what 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 type of player he's viewed as moving forward mm-hmm. into his next contract. So here's another guy coming out, another guy ending his career, his rookie contract. Joel. <laughs> <Hopefully> not. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Or coming into his last year, Joel Embiid. Oh man, Joel. He, he might end his career with all the injuries he's had. <laughs> right. Yeah, hopefully that wasn't foreshadowing something. But Joel Embiid <laughs> only played 31 games last season. So that's only 31 out of the 246 games he could have possibly played in the span of this three of the three years that have already gone by on his rookie deal. Man, you know, I actually forgot that he was drafted three years ago. I thought it was right. only two. I forgot that he missed two straight seasons. Yep. Insane. Yeah, so Joel Embiid came out and he made some noise in those 31 games that he did play. But what do you think? Is that Was that just like maybe luck? Or is he actually that good of a player? And if he is that good, are, are, you, will, are you willing to bet on his health? So I'll answer that in a few parts. I think Joel Embiid is a generational talent. I think if he was healthy he would be the best player in the NBA. Just You think? Yeah, I mean, 31 games, sure, it's a small sample size, but the way he plays and the confidence he has, he just he has the whole package. And I mean, I don't know. I, wow. I think, I, oh, I'm, I'm definitely on the Joel Embiid train. But wow, yeah. I also think he will not stay healthy, and that's going to hold him back his entire career. He's mm-hmm. always going to be that guy where you think, what if? What if he played a full 82-game season? Maybe he'd average 30 points, 15 rebounds a game. I think that's yeah. definitely possible um, for a guy like him. But we're n- it's never going to happen. Do you see Do you see more coming? Like, he played 31 games last season. Is there more on the horizon? Or is that, you think, the average he's going to be playing for whatever, however many years he has left in the NBA, I just I can't see him playing a full season, like a full eighty-two games. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, yeah. So I, I mean, will he play sixty games? Maybe. I think that's his peak, though. Honestly, he's just a guy plays thirty-one games out of two forty-six. You're and you're gonna tell me he's gonna play a full season? I'm gonna bet against that every time. Oh. As much as I'd love to see him do that, I just I can't trust it at this point. So if you're the 76ers, you would give him a contract? You'd give him an extension? Oh, uh, yeah, you have to. He's the face of your franchise at this point. He's basically forced himself into that role just through social yeah. media and, and being that guy that's speaking for your whole team. Uh, big reason why they traded up to get Markel Fultz is because Joel Embiid liked him so much. Right. Uh, so I think you have to re-sign him. Does he get the max? Probably not, and there's probably going to be some sort of injury clause where he doesn't get guaranteed money uh, if he doesn't do mm-hmm. anything for you. 
I mean, hopefully they do that. If they don't, he's just going to make a big paycheck and be on the sideline for half the season. Right. Um, yeah, I just I don't think he'll get the max next year. I think he'll get a good a good sizable contract, maybe like a like a eighteen million. Mm-hmm. Uh, still really big, but uh, yeah, I just I would hedge a little bit. I can see that. So his situation kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, the Phoenix Suns with Amari Stoudemire when he eventually left the Suns. So what happened there was Amari Stoudemire felt like he was a max contract type player, which he did put up the numbers to justify that. Oh, yeah, he's really but good. Yeah. there was that that little thing, the injuries, the Suns weren't willing to to gamble on the injury. So they didn't want so they wanted an injury clause in the contract. Oh. They wanted non-guaranteed money. And Amari Stoudemire and his agents didn't want that. So they decided to pack their bags and go to the New York. And New York gave him guaranteed money. Yeah. I lost. You saw it. We've seen what happened. We saw what happened there. Amari Stoudemire, his injuries did come back to haunt him. And eventually he was forced to retire and didn't do much for the Knicks. But the Knicks were still forced to to pay to pay him. So yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, what that's that, a big deal. So what that means for Joel Embiid is I think I think Joel Embiid will have himself one heck of a season. I don't think he's going to play the full 82 games this coming season. I think injuries will continue to plague him. I hope he plays more than 31s, 31. So I predict he'll play between 40 to 50 games. And I think the 76ers are going to offer him good money, but they're going to include that injury clause. And I think that's going to ca- that's going to cause some some headbutting between the mm, between yeah. Joel Embiid, his agent, and the 76ers organization. And I'm not really sure what'll happen there. We'll yeah. have to wait and see. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I, I think that he'll stay a 76er above all though. Think uh, so? In, injury clause or not. I think I think they will try to include an injury clause, but if they come to too much conflict with Embiid and his agents, they'll eventually give in because they don't want to risk losing out on such a talent. Yeah, I think, yeah, at that point, the ball will be in the court of the 76ers. Yeah, I think the likelihood the 76ers offer a contract is 100%. I think they do it, but I do think they're going to approach it with caution. And then from there, it's it's a matter of to see. it's a matter of seeing what Joel Embiid does there, if he takes it or not. Yeah, and we'll see. Mm-hmm. But uh, in terms of proving, I th- I think Joel Embiid has proved already that he's a great talent. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, he's proved that through thirty-one games, like mm-hmm. he he just turns so many heads, and I think he won't have to do much more than he did in those thirty-one games to prove mm-hmm. that he's still going to be that guy that for them. Um, yeah. yeah if he if he just does what he did last year while he was playing that's all you can ask for man he was incredible right i agree so moving on old man jj reddick mm, yep signed a one-year 23 million dollar contract with philadelphia sticking there with the 76ers he's 33 years old he saw num- numbers decline from 16.3 points to 15 points 48 percent shooting to 44 percent shooting Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, you give this guy 23 million for one year. Mm-hmm. I think this one, it, JJ Redick has the most approved of anyone on this list. Yeah. Uh, I agree. You're, you're going to be 34 next year and you just made $23 million. Man, that's going to be so much less next year. 
Yeah. If he doesn't true. if he doesn't step up because his numbers declined actually from uh the 2015 season to the 2016 season. Mm-hmm. Uh 16.3 points to 15 points and 48% shooting to 44. I mean, if you're going to be on the decline like that, you could have taken a guaranteed 3-4 year deal with another team, but you chose to get the money now. Yeah, you're going to have a tough time getting a good t- contract next year. Yeah. All right, so moving on to the next guy, we got Derek Favors, 26-year-old, um, playing for the Utah Jazz. Now, this is a guy who's kind of taking a backseat role, role thanks to Rudy Gobert's improvement. But on the other hand, also, Derek Favors is a guy who also has an injury-plague story that follows him around, which kind of seems to be the theme with a lot of these guys. But in terms of Derek Favors, he's the type of guy that I think um, he's going to search for an opportunity somewhere else. I think... Uh, the limited minutes aren't really going to isn't going to be something he likes and i think him and his team are probably going to be searching for more money as well and it'll probably be something that the utah jazz aren't going to be looking to give him especially since maybe they might go into a rebuild mode after this year maybe after the next two years what do you think about this guy sean um yeah i i I totally agree with you i think that uh with rudy gobert improving so much that's really going to cut into Derek favors playing time um even with the departure of a lot of key pieces on utah's team Mm -hmm. uh, it's really unfortunate he seemed to show a lot of promise i actually had him on my fantasy team a few years ago and he was putting up some pretty good numbers but uh, over the last two years um you see his his uh, productivity start to drop because he kept getting injured uh 62 games uh two years ago 50 games last year yeah um yeah so he's just he's only 26 years old and he's already declining in health so that's not a good sign Right. And I mean, Derek Favors heading into this season does have quite has quite of a bit to prove because he's kind of like a crossroads, much like these other guys, whether Derek Favors is going to be a solid starter or a role player or somebody that you kind of just have on your bench that you need to bring in when one of your key guys goes out. So he needs to prove that to other teams out there because I don't see the Utah Jazz resigning him. And I think he's he's probably going to search for the money and he'll get it from somewhere else. Yeah, I don't think he'll ever get close to a max contract with the way he's been playing lately, but I think he could definitely get like a $12 million contract somewhere else next year. Mm-hmm. So a guy who could potentially be in search of a max deal is Jabari Parker of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, a solid guy. I really like this guy. I think I think he's a key piece to the Milwaukee Bucks. But I think the, the real question is, does he fit in with that team? Is he part of the Milwaukee Bucks' plan moving forward? Since they've got a lot of pieces there with the rise of Malcolm Brogdon, and you got Chris Middleton as well, and of course you got your star Giannis, so I think he has that to prove, um, and also as well as can he stay healthy? Um, will his health play a big part in whether or not the Milwaukee Bucks want to spend some money on him? Yeah, I mean I love Jabari Parker. Uh, I don't know about you, but man, I was so stoked for him to come back after I saw that Gatorade commercial at the beginning oh. of last season. That's right. just like, oh, Jabari's coming back. It's going to be huge. And he really lived up to the hype. He's averaging 20 points a game. He looked like he has really improved from mm-hmm. the year before. And all of a sudden cut short again by another ACL injury. So uh, it's brutal, man. And I, I really feel for the guy. But I'm hoping that he can make a, another comeback this year. Because uh, I really do think that he's worth uh, what he could give to the Bucks. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, just he's just got to figure out his his health. Yeah, a lot of the story 
I think a lot of the story for the Bucks and how far they go in the playoffs might revolve around Jabari Parker's performance and how he fits in with everybody. If he's if he's not healthy, it could be just a repeat from last year. If he is healthy and meshes well with the with everybody else that the Bucks have, I think they they might be able to challenge Toronto and the Wizards, maybe even the Celtics for that second seed in the in the East. Yeah, totally. Yeah, maybe we'll the surprise is all and we'll see them in the Eastern Conference Finals going up against Cleveland, or maybe we won't see Cleveland. We'll see, but that's a different story. Ooh, <laughs> that's a hot take. Yeah, but anyways, um, keeping up with the Utah Jazz, another guy is Dante Exum, and here's a guy that had a lot of had a lot of hype, and there was a lot of ex- excitement around him and what he could bring. Um, he's a point guard who's a little bit bigger than than your than your average point guard in the NBA. Um, he was drafted fairly young, and this is a guy that I think could would have benefited much like Brandon Roy did. He's Brandon Roy stayed four years in college. I think Dante mm, Exum yeah. should have gone off to college, stayed there for a little bit longer, um, and maybe he wouldn't be in the crossroads that he is now because he's so young and he's literally starting from ground zero due to the lack of minutes he's gotten on the Jazz. Mm. Um, so he's got everything to prove right now. He's got proof what kind of player he is. Is he a journeyman or is he going to become a solid starter for your team? I don't really know. Yeah, it's it's so tough because I mean, the guy comes in at 18, like you said. He's just super raw. No one mm-hmm. really knows, but you're just kind of banking on his potential. And, I mean, he just ends up being a eighth guy off your bench, uh, being behind uh, Gordon Hayward and George Hill. Um, and now, I mean, you got Ricky Rubio coming in. So you get the opportunity there. Um, so I will see what he can do. Um, my guess is that he won't be doing much of anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see where he goes. Do you think? Do you think Utah Jazz take a, take another um, roll the dice on him and extend his his rookie contract? Maybe. Uh, I think. I mean, he hasn't really proven much. So I think the best he can really get is like a two year, maybe like fifteen million dollar deal from them is what i would guess yeah i I just don't see him improving very much yeah um it's tough to say how much he still got he still has left to go i think utah jazz does take another roll of the dice on him Um, i don't think they extend him for very much and and then i guess it's 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 let's see where he goes from there um moving on with the celtics you got marcus smart the tough guy, the gritty defender, but a guy who hasn't really performed all too well, at least to be deserving of something huge. Um, what do you think about this guy? Uh, I mean, so he's, he's a really tough guy, and he, he's an enforcer for the Celtics uh, in the playoffs. He's going to be that guy that uh, kind of stands up for your teammates. Um, but on the floor, as far as numbers go, he doesn't really give you that much. Um, his three-point shooting has actually gotten worse over the last three years. Mm-hmm. I had an abysmal 28% last year. Um, I mean, it's like, I don't really know. Is he a point guard? Is he a shooting guard? He's like right in that in-between size. Right. Um, yeah, so it's just hard to see where he fits on the team, especially with Gordon Hayward coming in. Um, I don't know. I, I think more likely than not, he's going to be off the Celtics next year. I think so, too. I think the biggest reason for that is I think Marcus Smart might be one of those guys who ends up thinking he's worth a lot more than the team will actually offer him, especially with the guys the Celtics have now now have. You got Isaiah Thomas, who could potentially get a, ma- a max contract. So I think Marcus Mar is going to chase the money, and he's going to end up going somewhere else. Um, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, he's not going to... 
be like the a key component of that Celtics team. Um, they might be he might be replaceable. So we'll see. But I don't. I think the likelihood is that Marcus Smart won't sign with uh with the Boston Celtics next year. He'll go somewhere else. Um. So now moving out west to Portland, you got Nurkic, another guy who played really well, but unfortunately was cut short with injuries. Uh Yeah. Um. Yeah. I love Nurkic as a player. I think he's a steal for the Trailblazers. Uh. Just getting him from Denver. Uh. It's a shame that we didn't get to see him in that playoff series against the Warriors. Uh, not that I don't think that the Warriors would have swept them anyway, but uh, that's just the way it goes. So uh, I, I'm really excited for this guy. I think he's going to give them a lot next year, and I think he's going to definitely be worthy of a big contract. Right. Yeah, I mean, you do. it's it's really tough for a guy like that to fall into your lap. Um, and they got rid of Crabtree this, this offseason, so that off- offloads some money. And I think the, the logic behind that deal was for that, just to free up some money to, to extend an offer out out to Nurkic so I think that's coming I think Portland keeps them and they just got to cross their fingers that this guy stays healthy and gives them something something big this season because that Western Conference is going to be tough especially if they want to jump up to like the sixth seed or something like that going into this next year's playoffs right all right so that's it for our guys but on final thoughts, we got one video, a pretty hilarious thing that happened out in L.A. So um, Nike was holding a three-on-three youth tournament, and Mr. Robert Ory, Mr. Seven-Time NBA Champion, <laughs> was pu- was getting pushed around by a random dude. Um, and the guy, Robert Ory, of course, loses his cool. It takes three, sing- three swings at the man. Um, I'm not sure whether he landed those punches or not, but... Sean, I'm sure, have you checked out this video? Did you want to look at it again? Yeah, yeah. let me check this out real quick. I want to, I want to see this and get give you a live reaction. <laughs> oh, okay, he gets shoved. Oh, oh! Oh! What the heck? Yeah. Okay. Wait, okay, slow-mo. Or just a replay. <laughs> oh, here we go, yeah. Robert Orr is Manny Pacquiao impersonation. Man, <laughs> man, is that is that guy okay? <laughs> I don't know. When you take a when you take a oh hit from gosh. a large man like that, I'm not. I don't know. So my question Dude. to you is: This man a fool, <laughs> or is that the bravest thing you've ever seen from somebody to go out there and try uh, how to actually start a fight with a pro- former professional athlete? Well, he's a fool for sure. That's crazy. <laughs> he because he definitely instigates it, but. I definitely Robert Oyer is an idiot for doing this to this guy. Like, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me! Like, you're so much bigger than him. Like, what do you have to prove? You're Robert Oyer, and you just go out and try to punch this random guy. Oh man. Yeah. I, that's he has to keep his cool. That's so bad. Yeah, but I think this guy's pretty courageous. I mean, that takes that takes courage to whatever was going on between the two to actually go up there and shove this man shove a dude that stands at six foot nine literally maybe a foot taller than this little guy but (laughs) it's a it's a mixture of both too because i mean there's i highly doubt that guy would have came out on top i think robert already would have kicked his ass if it really came down to it i mean it looked like he did but okay so so let me ask you this though who do you think has more courage this guy or kyrie irving Ooh, (laughs) that's a tough one 
I don't know, man. That's pretty crazy. I think I'm going to have to go with the random dude at this Nike tournament. <laughs> I mean, he's willing to to do that, like, potentially in front of all these kids, in front of his family and all that. If he's willing to take that embarrassment or take that glory, uh, that takes some serious courage. I don't think I would have ever done that. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I'll have to agree with you. That, yeah. But you... Uh, bravery, foolery, whatever you want to call it. So you want to know who is just got honored for their courage? You could say, who? Zaza Pachulia. Zaza Pachulia was given the order of honor in his home country of Georgia after take after going on a countrywide tour with the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Um, Zaza Pachulia is now uh, officially a winner. He's won in this league. He has a championship. What do you think, Sean? Is this deserving? Do you, does this help uh... you gain some respect for Mr. Zaza Pachulia? I almost lost respect hearing that news. <laughs> like, so my respect for Zaza Pachulia is about zero. So I guess I can't really lose respect. Oh, man. Yeah, I guess anyone in the NBA can get honor in their country for being on the coattails of Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. <laughs> uh, you get How honorable is it to uh, injure one of the best players in the league in a playoff matchup? I guess super honorable, according to them, so... Yeah, great job. <laughs> there you have it, Sean. Your those are your final thoughts. What what a heck uh, of a of a line. But what a way to end the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it, everybody. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh don't forget to subscribe to the Dwight Chocolate NBA podcast. Uh and tune in next week when we got our uh when we got some more news from the NBA. Hopefully we'll start our division previews or we'll start breaking down some of the top players in the league heading into the next season. Um, and that's all we got for today. And I'll leave you with this. Zaza Pachulia is officially a man who has been given an award by his home country. Believe it or not, it's true. Buh. <laughs>